welcome back to our series called Crosswords. And each week, we've been looking at a different word that kind of is a fitting word that goes in describing the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's either a word that describes what took place or a truth from the cross or how that applies to our life. And today, we're going to continue that series. I want you to repeat out loud this word after me, sacrifice. Say it again, Sacrifice. Now, of all the words in English language, how many of you would say, that's my favorite word? <laughs> yeah, you're good American. Sacrifice doesn't really show up on, on our radar a whole lot. But if there is one word that really describes what took place on the cross, it's that word, isn't it? It's the word sacrifice. I want to look at a passage of scripture that just wrecked me this week. And um, it, it's, it's on your outline. If you want to take your sermon outline out, uh, you can take, if you're a note taker, you can take some, uh, take some notes. If you're a doodler, I used to sit on the front row of church when I was a kid and doodle. That kind of kept me, kept me interested. I have to move while I'm listening. So that's what I did. You can do that too. But, uh, just track along with me. We'll throw the, throw the verse up on the screen. I want you to read this verse out loud with me. This is Paul's reflection on Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Ready? Read it with me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true spiritual worship or proper worship. What's that first word that Paul uses in that sentence? Therefore, circle that word. Um, I was taught when I was in college looking at verses that whenever you saw the word therefore, you need to ask a question, what's it there for? <laughs> and that always, that always stuck with me. Paul in the book of Romans, Romans is probably the most famous book that the apostle Paul wrote. It is certainly probably the richest book of the epistles in the New Testament. It contains so much rich and deep theology. In fact, so much of what we teach and believe Paul gave to us through the, the book of Romans. But when you, read, when you read the book of Romans, Paul spends these first 11 chapters talking about this incredible sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he starts out in chapter one talking about this is a horrible world, you know, and he talks about just all the crazy stuff that was going on then that's still going on now. And, and he, he says, you know, we're, we're in this place that is just anti-God. And yet it was to this very place that our Lord Jesus Christ came. And throughout these 11 chapters, he, he, he talks about how willingly Christ gave himself. He talks about the fact that, you know, now it had been the Jewish people and now this gospel is open to all people and, and Jesus has, you know, kind of torn down this wall that's there and, and now we have this, we have this, we all come to God the same way through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, Paul talks about that this is a sacrifice that Christ gave that we don't deserve. And uh, it wasn't anything we earned. In fact, in, in chapter five, he says, you know what? It was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. God didn't, he didn't come and die because we were good people. He came and died because we were bad people. And, and Paul goes on in these 11 chapters just describing over and over again this rich sacrifice that God has given on our behalf. And then he gets to chapter 12 and he says, therefore, because, because God has done all of this, 
what should be our response? And that's when he says that we should offer ourselves as what? Living sacrifices to him. In other words, he said, you know, Christ did all of this. You know, he gave up heaven, came to earth. He lived as a nomad for three years, walking and teaching. He, he experienced all these things, these horrible things on earth. He's done all of that. And then he died on a cross. And, and our response, he says, we don't, we don't get to die on a cross for God. But that's not what he wants. He doesn't want us to die on a cross. He wants us to live for him. Now, here's my question to you. Are you truly a living sacrifice for God? Are you giving yourself to God with the same force and passion with which God gave himself to you? Are you giving yourself with a completeness in every area of your life in the same way that Christ gave himself in every area of his life? Are you living and giving and forgiving and loving? Are, are you doing all of those things with the, with the same sense of sacrifice with which God did those things for us? Paul says, therefore, because God has done all of this, we ought to respond with a life Think about this. We ought to respond with a life that reflects the death of Christ. Amen. Now, let that just sink in. And I'm telling you, this, this passage, you're gonna, you'll, you'll get it throughout the message. This just wrecked me this week as I, as I was camping on this because of thinking about all that God has done and what we get to do in return. Uh, I, I love Paul says, I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. That word is actually a plural, and, and it, 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 it's mercies, and it has a couple of different meanings. One is that God shows his mercy to us in a lot of different ways. And when I thought about that, I thought, man, there must be a million different ways God has been merciful to me. I don't know about you, but just a million different ways. But it also, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, that plural means it's kind of a magnification. It, it means really in view of, in view of God's Great mercy. I mean, God has done so much that this ought to be our response. Paul picks up this idea in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter five. Read this with me. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Let me stop right there. If you're a note taker, again, circle that phrase. In everything you do. And, and then up above in that passage before, circle the word bodies. Because Paul says to offer your bodies. That word bodies, it doesn't mean just a physical body. That word bodies literally means the totality of who you are. All that you are. Body, soul, mind, spirit, possession. Every, everything that you are and everything that you have. That's what he says. That's why Paul says, therefore, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Keep reading with me out loud. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, today, I, I just want you to let the Holy Spirit of God just push on that idea of you, for you. 
and, and just let the Lord speak to you about your own walk with him. And just ask this question, am I in every area of my life, in everything that I am and in everything that I have, am I living a life worthy of the sacrifice for which God has given me? Am I giving him in my life what he gave me in his death? All right, now you know what you're thinking. You're thinking, boy, Pastor Steve, I picked a fine day to come to church. Man, can't you talk about something easy? No, because the cross wasn't easy. You know, I, I know sacrifice just completely goes against our American way of thinking. Look at me. We have no idea what that word means. We, we live such comfortable lives. And if we're honest, come on, it's just us. If we're honest, most of us, most of us Christians really don't live as sacrifices before God. We, we don't live that way. We, we don't love that way. We love easy people to love. We don't love the hard people to love. You know, we, lo we love people in our family that we like and we people who love us back. But, you know, when Jesus starts calling us to love our enemies and, and, and love people who are, you know, far from God that do these horrible things, you know, I don't really want to love those people. Well, no, God loved them. And he says, you know what? We need to do the same. When he talks about giving, giving, giving our all, it, it's so funny because if we're honest, come on, it's just us. I've been in ministry 40 years. I, I get this. Most of us don't even tithe, which the Bible says is giving one 10%, giving 10% of our income back to God. Most of us don't even follow the Old Testament law. Most of us, if we're honest, we tip God. We tip him. Because we really don't consider our incomes his income. We, we consider it our income. And we certainly don't understand what it means to sacrifice in that realm. We don't live. We don't give. We don't forgive as God forgave us. Those are the things that really bring the sacrifice home. And, and again, I know you think, man, Pastor Steve, you're asking me to do some really hard stuff. I really am. But I want to I take that challenge one step further. I, I want to challenge you in the way that you do that. Are you ready? I know. Lock the doors back here, please. Don't leave me. Here we go. Hold on. I'm going to talk fast, so stay with me. Here's, here's the first thought I want to give you. When we talk about sacrifice, our sacrifice, believe it or not, it should be an act of love. Of love. I am not asking you today to give to God or forgive as God would forgive or love as God would love. I'm not asking you to do that as an obligation. If you're doing it as an obligation, it's a wrong motivation. If you're doing it because God commands it and you're going to have to do it, if I'm going to have to be here, I'll do it. I'll be here anyway. I know, you know, if you're going to do that, you know, we, that's not the way. We want you to do this. God wants you to do this because he gave out of love. He wants you to do this out of love. Look at the passage of Scripture. John, 1 John 4.10. Read it with me. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. This is real love. And that's the way we ought to love. Three, John 3, 16, you know this verse, read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave us one and only son. Love was the motivation for God to do everything he's done. And that should be our motivation because in response to his love, we had to love him in a way that lavishes ourselves upon him. I, I read this, this gal wrote a, a blog. It just crushed me. It was so good. It was called, the title of it was called, It Was Our Disease. And written by a gal named Cher, uh, like the singer Cher. 
And uh, let, me, let me just read you her, her, little, her little blog. This was so good. She said, I've, I've always thought that my husband, Ken, was the best man in the world. But what really convinced me of this was when I was diagnosed with the most aggressive form of breast cancer, interductal carcinoma. I was told that I was terminal. And I only vaguely remember making that horrible phone call to Ken to let him know. From that point on, he was the rock that kept me from suicide. He told his bosses that we had a crisis and his wife came before his work. They were understanding. Ken was there when they took the dressings off for the first time. I did not take my eyes off of him and he made no reaction. After the nurse left, I cried and I, I asked him how he felt. He said, honey, what I was expecting was so much worse than this. Ken never left my side, and he became my caregiver and nurse. We had a seven-year-old daughter who did not understand all the facts, but knew that her mom was sick and was very scared. Ken came, became both mom and dad, cooking, getting her to school on time, and providing the TLC that I couldn't. He cuddled her, and he rocked her when she woke up screaming from nightmares. The next period was the darkest point in our lives, chemotherapy. We were all terrified. But Ken never wavered. He went with me for each horrible treatment. He tried to keep me laughing when I truly wanted to die. The anti-nausea medications didn't work, and he was there to make it easy by bringing me ginger ale or whatever food I craved and could keep down. He regularly brought me flowers to cheer me up. When my hair fell out, I was devastated. Ken bought me silly hats, and he would caress my hand and just say that meant that the drugs were doing what they were supposed to do and that it was curing our cancer. This killed me. She said, during one emotional time, I looked at him and I said, why don't you just start looking for a whole woman? And with tears in his eyes, he said, Cher, you're my other half. I have no need for someone else. And he finally convinced me that he had taken his wedding vows of 22 years ago seriously. We had had our share of the better, but now I think we've had our share of the worst. The oncologist told us that she believes that I am cured. Ken truly never complained always tried to meet my needs, no matter how obscure or unreasonable, and loved and supported me through it all. He managed to work a full-time job at both his place of employment and at home. He put most of his life on hold for me. Now it's almost three years later, and this year we celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary and are planning to cruise in Alaska. What would cause a man to put his entire life on hold? hold to take care of a woman with cancer love love does that and that's how God loved us he who knew no sin stepped into our disease of sin sacrificed himself on our behalf what does he ask in return? That we too would love him with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. Sacrifice, our sacrifice ought to also be with joy. 
joy. Now that, that seems like joy and sacrifice shouldn't even go in the same sentence. You know what I'm saying? It, it, you say, you know, we, we think of sacrifice, we think of pain, and we think of suffering, and we think of, oh, I don't really want to do this. But, but look, look, at, look at Christ in the way that he gave himself. In Hebrews 12, 2, look at what it says. Read it with me. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the what? Joy. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He, you know, you, 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 when you look at this and say, Christ did what he did, but he did it not only out of love, he did it with joy. And that's what God is calling us to. For 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, which is a wealthy group of people, and he's really challenging them in the way that they give financially. And he compares them to the Macedonian churches who are, are very poor people who are giving everything that they've got. And the, and, the, and, the, and the Corinthian church are holding everything back. And look what, look what Paul says. Paul, Paul says, you know what? You got to decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Read it with me. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Cheerfully. In other words, if we go back to the offering box or we get online and we go, I guess I got to give something. Pastor Steve says we got to have it. Look at me. God is not blessed. He's not blessed. But when we go, God, you've given me everything. Everything that I have has come from you. It is such a joy for me to help promote the work of your kingdom here on earth. That's the kind of heart that God is looking for. Does that make sense to you? I have a great personal example of this. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's my beautiful barefoot wife right there which is how she is most of the time. Um, last year for, for my birthday, Wanda decided to do something special for me. Um, she decided that she was going to get my college jersey that we had stuck away in a box and fix it up and put it in a frame. I was uh, the first player from Mid-America Christian University to have their jersey retired. And so Wanda wanted to do something that just kind of honored my time as a, as a basketball player and all of that kind of stuff. So she got out and, 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 and she, she had it. I mean, the, the thing you can imagine, this thing was old. Look at me, old. You know, uh, I played in the 70s, you know, maybe, maybe even the 1870s. I don't even remember now. But, but, you know, she, but she took it. She had to stitch the letters. I mean, the numbers back on. I mean, she had to stitch those on. She had to repair. She spent all this time, you know, doing this and then put it in this beautiful glass case. Then she got this collage of cave drawings. I mean, pictures that, that were there. Um, and these pictures of me playing, and there's a picture of my name on the, on the banner over at the Mid-America Gym and all that kind of stuff. And she put this collage of pictures, and this was her, gift, her birthday present to me. Now, you got, you, you, this is what you've got to understand. The most precious commodity that my wife has in her life is time. She works full-time as a therapist. She teaches a, a, a class um, on, on, on Sunday mornings every week that she prepares hours for. She's been teaching this past year, she's been teaching Bible quests for the kids on Wednesday night, which takes hours to prepare for. We have our, our grandkids that live around the corner for us. We have them four nights a, a week. Then she's got high maintenance me, you know, to take care of. She, her, her most precious commodity, she has very, very little time. She could have given me a gift card to Buffalo Wild Wings. I'd have been a happy camper. She could have woke up in the morning and, and gave me a kiss on the cheek and said, happy birthday, hubby. And, and uh, you know, I would have been a happy camper. 
You know, she could have done anything that took almost nothing, but she took all of this time secretly doing this where I couldn't see it. She spent hours and hours doing this. But can I tell you something? When she brought that out and I looked at it, I went, oh my gosh, and I'm, I'm blown away. She was happier than I was. Her heart was so full of joy. Even though it cost her every free moment she had, she was so filled with joy to give it. And that's exactly the way that we ought to offer ourselves to God. He who gave us so much with joy should get joy in response. Amen. Let me give you a third one. And this this one's going to hurt. Our sacrifice should truly be costly. It should truly be costly. Have you thought much about the sacrifice that Christ made? Look at how Peter describes it in 1 Peter 1. He says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. Read it with me. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. It was a costly gift that he gave. It it, it cost him everything. That was the price he paid. That's why I love 2 Samuel when when David was responding uh, to getting ready to offer an offering to God and a guy was going to give him the threshing floor and give him the oxen and give him everything. David says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I won't do it. God, who is giving me so much, deserves me to play, give a costly gift in return. Does that, does that make sense to you? I saw, I saw this. You, you, let, me, let me give it to you. This, this, this was really good. Last year in South Carolina, I, there were two different stories that I thought were, were, were kind of amazing. Uh, one was a guy who uh, won a, a lottery. And uh, some kind of, I don't know if it was a Powerball or a scratcher thing. I don't, I don't remember what it was. But he, he, won, he won this lottery. And he didn't have all the numbers. He was one short, but he had actually, there was some kind of triple down deal or something that you can do. People who gamble, you, can, you understand this. I don't really get it. But he, he did something. It was a $50,000 prize that because he had tripled down, it became a $150,000 prize. And when he got this check, he gave it all to charity. He gave it all to charity. Was that sacrifice? It was generous, certainly very thoughtful, but he really gave away money that he wasn't really counting on having anyway. Now, please, please, please hear my heart. If you win the Powerball, we will take your $150,000. Hear what I'm saying to you. Yeah, that's not, not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it wasn't generous. I'm not saying that it wasn't thoughtful. I'm not saying that it wasn't out of a good heart. I'm sure all of that was true. But here's the deal. When I was rethinking about this with this week, when I was reflecting on this, I thought, you know, that was a very generous thing to do, but was it really sacrifice? Now, let, me, let me compare it to this. Maybe, maybe you'll get the point. Throw that picture up on the screen. Anybody know that face? Some of you may have seen this on the news. This guy's name is Henry Darby. 
Uh, he's a principal in South Carolina. Uh, he's a principal at the North Charleston High School. Uh, he's a, um, he grew up in that area, and he grew up very poor. Uh, his being raised by his mother, he said he remembers his mother when he was a small child. They, she would walk with him. They would go down the road collecting pop bottles, you know, soda bottles that you could redeem for, for money. And he said that was, we tried to do that to, to collect a little bit extra money that we could have. Um, then he said that he, his mom would routinely take him out to the dump, um, not to deposit trash, but to sort through the trash to see if there was anything in the dump that they might be able to use because they just had no money. And he said, one point, he said, we were out there and my, my mom spotted this white fabric, this white material in the trash and she asked me to grab it. And he goes, I looked and it was, it was soiled and it was, it was nasty looking and it had sludge stuff on it. And he just said, I just stood there, I froze. I, couldn't, I could not put my hand in that gunk. And he said, and my wife, my, my wife, my mom walked around me and she grabbed it and pulled it out, this big piece of white material. She said she took it home and she put it in a pot in the backyard and she boiled it. And he said, and out of that big piece of white material, my mother made me a shirt. And he said, and I wore that shirt two to three times a week from eighth grade to 11th grade. This guy grew up with nothing, but he said his mom scrimped and saved at everything she could. And he said, my mom constantly bragged to our neighbors, my son is going to be a teacher. And Henry, because of his mom's sacrifice, went on and went to school, became a teacher, and eventually became the principal of the school. Now, this high school where he serves, over 90% of the students are below the poverty line. These kids are growing up like he grew up, with nothing. And he said, I, I watched them struggle. I watched their family struggle. And he said, I, I, I knew I just had to do something. And so quietly, not letting anybody know what he did, he did this. Throw that picture up on the screen. He took a night job at Walmart for the sole purpose of donating all of the money he made to the kids in his school and their families who needed a little extra help. Three nights a week, he would, he would go to Walmart. He would work from 10 at night until 6 in the morning. And he, again, he didn't tell anybody what he was doing. He was just very quietly doing this until one night, some kids from the high school spotted him stocking shelves in Walmart. And they're like, Principal Darby, what, what are you doing? And they realized that he was doing this. And then when he was pressed, he said, this is, this is why I'm doing this, not for me but for my students who are in need. Throw that next picture up on the screen. I thought this was so cool. Last year in, in 2021, they gave him the, uh, it's the highest order, uh, highest award that they could give to a civilian in the state of South Carolina, honoring him for his sacrifice to community. Now look at me. I want you to just hear my heart. That sacrifice. A principal who works a full-time job, who is also a city councilman, who gives up three nights a week of sleep in order to make money that he can donate to kids in need. That is a costly gift. Just a question. I just want you to let it sit with you and God. When's the last time you gave God something that really did cost you something? Just a thought. Let me give you one more. Our sacrifice, 
is never really a sacrifice. Our, our sacrifice is never really a sacrifice for two reasons. One, everything that we have in our lives, where did it come from? It came from God. That's why David in, in, in First Chronicles, when they were, his people were taking up an offering to build this temple for God, God, David's prayer to the Lord says, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Read it with me. Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. You see, everything we give or everything we do is not really a sacrifice because our lives have come from God. Our, our, our possessions all belong to him. Everything that we are, everything that we have, it came from him. We're only giving him back what he gave us. Silas, what's your favorite car? If you could, if you could have a dream car right now, what would it be? Lamborghini. That's, I like how you think, bud. If I bought, if I bought a brand new Lamborghini and I gave you the keys to it, and I said, I want, I want you to keep this for me. Drive it every day. Do, do whatever you want. Drive it, drive it, Silas. This, this, this Lamborghini is yours, bro. But I came back and I said, hey, I'm going to need to drive that Lamborghini one day a week. Would that be a sacrifice for you? Oh, why? Well, it's not your car. It's still in my name. Dude, you're only like, what, 15? You can't put a car in your name. You know, you don't get that car. What's wrong with you? <laughs> But you see, it's, it's like we, we think about that. We think, you know, gosh, if you gave it, if you gave it, I could drive this every day and you, you only ask for a portion of it back. What kind of sacrifice is that? I mean, if I bought it and I scrimped and saved and it was mine, yeah, but you know what? This is God's. It's not really a sacrifice. Can I give you one other one? Whatever we give to him will never compare to what he's given to us. Amen. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if you guys would come on forward and just be available in a moment. We're going to have a, a time of prayer. I was sitting with this verse yesterday, yesterday morning while Wanda was running on the treadmill. And I was just letting God speak to me. And you know what I realized? I have no idea what sacrifice is. I have no idea. As much as I've given, as much as I've done, all the places I've left to go where I believe God is calling me to go, you can add all of that up and it doesn't begin to compare to what he has done for me. You know, when I was a kid in high school and I first made my commitment to Christ and I started carrying a Bible to high school, I had some kids that kind of made fun of me for carrying a Bible. But, but I have no idea what it's like to be drug out to a public square and stripped naked and mocked, and spit on, and beat with a whip. I'll never experience anything like that. You know, I, I know what it's like to to give stuff for God and to God. But I don't know what it's like to offer my very life. I've suffered discomfort along the way in this journey, but that's the best of it. I'll never know what it's like 
to die painfully on the cross to give my life back to God. I'll never experience that. You, you see, when I look at what God asks of me, it's nothing compared to what he's given on our behalf. Does that make sense to you? Therefore, Paul says, in view of all of this mercy, I beg you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to him. Holy, acceptable. That's what real worship is. Amen. Rachel's going to lead us in an old hymn called Consecration. It says, my life, O Lord, I give to you my talents, my time, my all. I want this to be your prayer of commitment today. We've got prayer partners here at the front. If there's anything going on in your life that you would just like someone to agree with you in prayer about, could be a health issue, a financial issue, a relational issue, a spiritual issue, doesn't matter what it is, they'd be more than happy to pray with you while we're singing this song. Don't miss this opportunity to lean into the Lord. Sit with this concept this week and just let the Spirit of God speak to you. What does it really mean to be a living sacrifice? Well, that's our prayer today, God. Um, we give ourselves back to you in response to your offering of yourself as a sacrifice for us. All that we have, all that we are, all that we will be. Lord, I pray today that if there's anyone watching online or any person in this audience today that has never received the sacrifice that you offer, that today would be their day. That they would know that the God of heaven loves them more than they could possibly imagine. And that today, Lord, your arms are open wide. You, you have paid for everything that they've done. You have bought them a new life and a second chance and a fresh start. And I pray that you would just help them to receive that and that they too would just simply offer you their lives in return. For us, God, I pray that you would just uh, nudge us this week uh, in a country that thrives on being comfortable and coddled. We pray that you would teach us what it really means to live as living sacrifices. Help us to understand what it means to give and to serve and to forgive and to love in the same manner that you did for us. Father, we love you so very much. Help us to live with the same commitment and passion that you died for us. In your precious name we pray. Amen.